We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. NFL Network's Mike Garofolo is reporting that the Kansas City Chiefs are expected to release longtime running back Jamal Charles, one of the more explosive players in the National Football League over the past few seasons. Well, it's not surprising given the way his last two years have gone, you know, tearing the ACL a couple of years ago, coming back this season and having more issues with, with both knees, actually. And so the way it was going, they already had Sharkhandrick West, Spencer Ware in the mix, um, two undrafted free agents who were younger players who they invested in over the last offseason. So it, it was just a pretty predictable move by the Chiefs right now. Indications are that the that the Chiefs just wanted to move on here because of the guys they have behind him and Spencer Ware being one of them. Uh, Sharkhandrick West, another guy. They, they did just sign T.J. Spiller. With the 86 pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select... Kareem Hunt, running back from Toledo. There you go. There's your running back. Those sounds courtesy of the NFL Network. And let's face it, it's been a rather interesting offseason when it comes to Kansas City Chiefs running backs. They cut the all-time franchise leading rusher. They draft a running back in the third round. Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West are still here. What does it all mean? Let's talk about it. This is the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. My goodness, does time fly or what? One week of training camp is over, and we're just one week until the Chiefs' first preseason game at home against the San Francisco 49ers. My name is Pete Sweeney, and this is the Arrowhead Pride Podcast, and today we're talking about the Chiefs' running back situation. Through camp, we've seen Spencer Ware take the majority of the first-team reps. Kareem Hunt has been in the mix. Sharkandrick West has been sidelined for many of the days with an ankle injury, so C.J. Spiller is taking some advantage there. You also have a rookie, Divine Redding, an undrafted free agent out of Indiana. He was the first Hoosiers running back since 1990 to record back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He's been getting some burn at training camp. So you got a very crowded running back room. You take the sausage, Anthony Sherman, out of the equation because you really do feel that he'll make the team at fullback. So what are you left with? Left with a lot of running backs to choose from. And how many will Andy Reid keep? That we don't even know. In 2016, 2015, and 2014, he kept different numbers of running backs. 2016, four running backs. 2015, three running backs. 2014, five running backs. So that could happen again, I guess, feasibly. But you look at the talent on this team, especially at the other skill positions, it's unlikely they keep that many running backs. So where do we stand? I found something really interesting this offseason, and it actually involved fantasy football. Now, I'm going to be the first to tell you that team football and fantasy football are very different. But something peculiar happened with fantasy football. 
I looked across on the NFL Top 100 lists, and you always, of course, look for Kansas City Chiefs. And what I saw was that Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt were consistently in fantasy analysts' Top 100. Who was missing? Sharkandrick West, despite just being two years removed from being the Chiefs' leading rusher. And it wasn't weird to me that West wasn't on every list. It was weird to me that he wasn't on any list. So I got curious. What did I do? I decided to call NFL.com senior analyst Michael Fabiano to talk about it. Now on today's podcast, joining us is NFL.com senior fantasy analyst Michael Fabiano. And Michael, thank you for joining us. Uh, My pleasure. So today's podcast is about making sense of this Chiefs running back situation heading into the season. And I always say it, you fantasy gurus have a little bit more of an edge. I mean, I know you're not getting into the team part of it, individual player-wise, but you guys are, I mean, it's your job to come up with these projections. And I've noticed some interesting things about what you've been saying about the Chiefs. So just in a nutshell, what do you see in the Chiefs running back position coming up this season? Well, we, we all agree the projected starter is Spencer Ware. Um, a bit inconsistent last year, uh, both on the field and from a fantasy perspective. But Kareem Hunt is very interesting. Uh, he's the highest drafted running back the Chiefs have had since Andy Reid took over there. Uh, Three-down potential, a guy who caught 41 passes in his last year there in uh, Toledo. And we all know from Andy Reid's success with running backs in Philadelphia, he likes guys who are versatile, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Brian Westbrook, Deuce Staley, uh, guys like that come to mind. And uh, LaShawn McCoy, Hunt seems to fit that. Now, is Hunt going to come in and take a job from where and, and run with it? I don't know about that, but is there going to be a role for Hunt in this offense, especially on passing downs? I think that's for certain, and that's probably the worst-case scenario for his fantasy value. I think he could really push where, where you're looking at this as potentially uh, a pretty even backfield committee. So where is someone that I wouldn't draft in the first 40 picks I say he's probably worth more of a fifth or sixth round pick, whereas Hunt's probably going to come off the board somewhere in the seventh or eighth round as a potential sleeper in that backfield. Now, one of the things I've found most interesting about the situation, again, you know, when you do look at it from a team standpoint is it's not only you. I mean, you're obviously the king, I think, quote unquote, of fantasy for NFL.com and you make your top 100 list. But I've seen across the board, it's been Spencer Ware it's been Kareem Hunt. No sign of Sharkandrick West, who led this team in carries just two years ago. Uh, what goes behind that? Well, Ware showed last year that he's a guy who can handle some of the load in that backfield. Um, and he was better than Sharkandrick when Sharkandrick had opportunities. Uh, oftentimes, he didn't take advantage of them. And again, the Chiefs drafted Hunt higher than any running back who's been picked by the team since Reed took over. And Charkandrick right now is banged up. I know he's a little bit injured. C.J. Spiller is also in the mix there in the, in the Chiefs' backfield. So West is probably someone who is not going to be drafted in most fantasy leagues because at this point, myself and a lot of analysts out there don't see him as any better than third on that depth chart. Right, and putting him third brings him out of the fantasy mix for sure. But when it comes to the one-two, you know, there's Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. Do you foresee a potential chance for Hunt to dethrone Ware by the end of this season for the starting role? 
No, no question. I think there's no doubt he'll lead the backfield in receptions and, and targets. And there, there is certainly a good chance that he ends up at some point during the regular season unseating Spencer Ware uh, to become, again, I'm not talking about a feature role like Melvin Gordon is going to see or like David Johnson is going to see uh, or like Le'Veon Bell is going to see. Uh, those, those guys have become very rare in the National Football League, which makes it even difficult, uh, more difficult for fantasy owners to decipher some backfields. But at some point, can I see Hunt overtaking Ware and becoming – a bigger part uh, of the backfield than where is projected to be. I, I can absolutely see that happening. And I think that's why you're seeing where slipping in fantasy drafts, whereas cream hunt is slowly moving up. Now, what's your take on it right now? If you're doing your fantasy draft tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you would, you would lean towards where, you know, towards the beginning of draft or where, where do you see yourself going in, in between where and hunt? The value for me is, getting Kareem Hunt somewhere in the eighth round, ninth round, somewhere in that. I'd rather get him at that space than I would taking Spencer Ware in, say, the fifth round. And I would guess he's probably at this point going to cost you a a fifth-round pick, and that would probably be uh, minimum. There are going to be people out there who like Spencer Ware more who may end up taking him in the fourth round. If I did draft Ware, it would be as a flex starter. Um, A lot of what you want to do in fantasy drafts is to eliminate as much of the risk as you possibly can. And I do see where with Hunt in the mix as a risk being drafted as an RB2 in fantasy. I would rather and feel more comfortable having him as a flex starter. But between the two, based on relative value and where each of these guys is being drafted, I'd rather have Hunt a couple of rounds later uh, than where's going. Now I've seen you mention Kareem Hunt as one of the top 10 sleepers before are people starting to figure that out even before these drafts are taking place at this point? I don't even know if there's any sleepers anymore, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> because, you know, fantasy football has become so popular and so many people are, are into it that you can go out and talk about Kareem Hunt as a sleeper. You can talk about Mike Gillisley as a sleeper. You can talk about Bilal Powell as a sleeper. But at, at the end of the day, People who are in the know in fantasy sports, and it's not just analysts like myself, fans are, are a lot of fans are, are, are just as into it as I am. Um, these players are well known. Uh, okay, they're not elite names like the David Johnsons and the Le'Veon Bells and the Antonio Browns and the Julio Jones of the world. They're not on that level, certainly. But these players are becoming more well known. And to me, that's one of the biggest influences that fantasy football has had on the growth and the popularity of the National Football League because now these players who maybe otherwise aren't really known outside of their team's area or by fans who are big time into fantasy sports or into the NFL, now you see these players known all over the place. You can go and have a conversation with someone who plays fantasy football in New York and they're aware that John Brown is the projected starter uh, opposite Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. Uh, They're aware that in Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette looks like he could end up being a breakout candidate uh, for the Jaguars as a rookie. You're seeing people who go to Texas and think Deshaun Watson could end up being this year's version of Dak Prescott. It's a big reason why the NFL has has become a, a huge backer of fantasy football because more and more people know more and more players which makes it harder to actually define someone 
as a sleeper anymore. Right, that's understandable. And I'd imagine when it comes to these dual-back systems, it must be very hard to predict who's going to have more carries, who's going to have more yards, and things like that. It is very tough. And I would, I would project this year to be one of the toughest, if not the toughest. Because look, of, look what happened during the offseason, okay? You had a very deep class of rookies who are coming in and potentially affecting veteran values, like Kareem Hunt to Spencer Ware, for example, like Dalvin Cook to Latavius Murray, for example. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey and John Stewart, Leonard Fournette coming in, uh, Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon lose some value. But you've also seen some veteran running backs who've changed teams. And uh, the biggest name is Adrian Peterson. Uh, this guy was one of, if not the best, running backs in fantasy football over the last decade. And clearly, at two and having missed a lot of time in two of the last three years, he's not the same back. But he joins a team that has Mark Ingram, who was 10th in, run, in running back fantasy points last season. Uh, they also drafted Alvin Kamara. So week in and week out, it could be difficult for fantasy owners to predict, is it going to be Peterson this week? Is it going to be Ingram this week? Uh, you've got a situation like the one in New York, which I mentioned, and Bilal Powell is a sleeper based on what he did at the end of last season. Very talented guy, a guy who was in the top four in targets and receptions among running backs last year. But Matt Forte is still there. So that could be a situation where you're looking at some potential inconsistent stat lines from these players because one week one guy gets hot, another week another guy gets hot. And that's why I think it's so important to make sure that you go after these true featured backs in the first 30 picks. Uh, Probably once you get past the third or fourth round, it's going to even be harder to find a player who is – the guy in his backfield because these players are so few and far between now that the National Football League has sort of adopted this mentality of having backfield committees. I like it. A little fantasy advice for our Chiefs fans. Uh, But getting back to just simply the Chiefs, we know how you feel about Spencer Ware. We know how you feel about Kareem Hunt. Is there any love among the fantasy community for C.J. Spiller, maybe in a late round, something like that? Not even a discussion at this point. I'll tell you this. Uh, there are a few running backs or NFL players that are in the league right now who have burned more fantasy owners than C.J. Spiller. <laughs> I mean, he had that one big year in Buffalo, and everybody was all over him. They loved him. I, I remember there was a year where uh, I believe it was Nathaniel Hackett, who was the offensive coordinator for the Bills at the time, had been quoted as saying in the preseason that they're going to give Spiller the ball so much he's going to throw up. Well, the only people who threw up that year were the ones who drafted Spiller because he was an enormous bust. We also projected him to see a pass-catching role when he went to the Saints. This is a great fit. You think about Reggie Bush. You think about Darren Sproles. And what did C.J. Spiller do? Well, he barely got on the field, and uh, Tim Hightower ended up being the better fantasy option in New Orleans behind Mark Ingram. So, I would not touch C.J. Spiller with a 99-and-a-half-foot pole. Let's just put it that way. Um, (laughs) There would have to be some serious injuries in that Chiefs backfield to to have Spiller even sniff that fantasy value uh, this season. Well, that's good to know. Uh, We'll uh, make sure that Chiefs fans stay away from C.J., at least in their fantasy draft. Michael, this has been some really great stuff, and we appreciate you coming on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. You got it. Take care. 
So there you have it. NFL.com's Michael Fabiano coming in pretty low on both Sharkandrick West and C.J. Spiller, but high on Spencer Ware and really especially high on Chiefs rookie Kareem Hunt. Hunt, of course, added Toledo, and the Chiefs like him too. They traded up in the third round of this year's draft to get him. But what do we really know about Kareem Hunt the person? Well, we called Toledo to find out, and you'll hear that interview after these words. We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Okay, now joining us on the Arrowhead Pride podcast is Andrew Terwilliger, and you are the Director of Football Operations for Toledo. And so you got to work with Kareem Hunt quite a bit. Uh, Yes, yep. Over your two years, because you were the Director of Player Personnel in 2015 and the Director of Football Operations in 2016, what was your relationship with Kareem like? Um, I had a really good relationship with Kareem, actually. I um. I'm actually going my fourth year here, so even though I wasn't a player, the player director of player personnel to start out when I first got here, I worked in a recruiting department, um, so I still had a chance to, to be around Kareem. Um, and then, you know, kind of when I transitioned into the ops role, um, you know, was when I probably spent, you know, more time with him um, on a daily basis. And, and to be honest, you know, when we had the transition from Coach Campbell to Coach Candle, um, as I don't know if most people know, but a lot of people went out to Iowa State with Coach Campbell and really me and Coach Candle and really only a couple other people in the facility, um, you know, were guys that were around. So Kareem was somebody that, you know, he'd come to my office all the time just, you know, because I was a familiar person around um, other than Coach Candle. So really had a good relationship with Kareem while I was here his last couple of years. And what year was the coaching change? So the coaching change happened at the end of, 2015-16 season. Okay. So last year was Coach Candle's first season as the head coach. Got you. And and Kareem actually improved his numbers during the 2016 season, and I want to get to that in just a few minutes. But before that, I want to ask you, you know, you had an opportunity now to know him for a number of years. What's something about Kareem Hunt that maybe wouldn't be obvious that Chiefs fans should know about him? <laughs> I mean, he, he's just an awesome person. He loves football. You know, I know that's kind of you know, something that everybody's going to know, but I will promise you I've never been around somebody that will show up on game day and play as hard as Kareem Hunt does. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that Chiefs fans are really going to like and kind of piggybacking off that. What makes you think he'll take what he was able to do in college and turn into a good professional? I think, I think to be honest in, in, in the NFL, what's going to help Kareem is that the competition is going to be, you know, is is on par of, you know, what he is. He Kareem Hunt could have been running the football, in my opinion, for any college football team in the country. And you know, being, a, you know, Toledo, you know, we're looked at as a mid-major. Um, like I said, he could he could be he could have ran the ball at Ohio State, Alabama. I think he's that good, and I just think him being around people that are just as good as him, and the competition level being, you know tighter than it probably was here in some sense him have a good long NFL career in my opinion now 
the raw talent is obvious. We've seen it at training camp already. I mean, it hasn't been against other teams yet, but you could just tell there's some real skill there for Kareem. You had an opportunity to see what he was like in the classroom, in the film room. What's his work ethic like off the field in that regard? So he actually just he graduated already, which, you know, in four years, you know, isn't the easiest for some guys now. But, you know, he, he was training for the he was training. He was he was in the mix of training for pro day and still had to finish up class. And actually, his last two semesters here, he finished with, so, with over a 3.0. And his film study, he's actually he's really football savvy, really good football IQ. I think you guys are already finding that out that he's been able to from some articles I've actually read that, you know, he's picking up all the, all the, um, you know, the playbook and protections and all that kind of stuff, you know, at a fast pace, I think it's going to help him. So, you know, his work ethic is there. He'll, you know, he loves, like I said, he loves football. So he's going to spend a lot of time in the, in the film room and studying the playbook. And really he's always, and, you know, here he had, you know, three different running back coaches and, you know, all, all three of them, I think, you know, were very good to him and he, he was able to build really good relationships with all three of his position coaches you know, that change. So I think that's a huge help as well. It shows part of his, his uh, you know, determination to to work hard in that sense. You know, just from a numbers standpoint, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier, and, and this is what I wanted to ask you about. His rushing yards were pretty consistent. I mean, he had that outstanding year in 2014 where he had 1,600 yards, kind of took a dip in 2015 with uh, 970, and then Mm-hmm. ran for 1400 in 2016 but the but the stat that jumps out at me is in his 4 years he had 12 receptions freshman 9 20, in 2014 11 in 2015 but then out of nowhere in 2016 he has 41 receptions for 403 yards in your eyes what changed for him as a senior I think just the com- you know comfortability of being able to you know do everything in the past game uh the talent's there you know I, I was you know vaguely I remember his sophomore year, I'm out on the practice field and they're kind of just running. He's running a swing route and the quarterback throws pretty bad pass way behind him. And he literally turns around, catches it one handed with his left hand. And I, it was, it was just one of those moments where it was like, wow, you know, like this guy's unreal. Um, you know, so I think, you know, just picking up the past game, you know, working with, you know, coach Candle, um, who has, you know, been the, was the receivers coach who transitioned to the quarterback's coach and then, you know, he's been, it was the offensive coordinator, you know, and then as the head coach last year, I think we're really wanted to utilize him to be able to get him the ball, you know, really as much as we possibly could. And, you know, that was a, a different element. I think he was able to excel in. And I think it helped him, you know, by us, by, you know, doing that helped him have a better arsenal to, to get to where he's at. And, you know, probably the chiefs, you know, looked at that as, you know, a positive as well. Right. And I mean, they, they took him to the third round. So they obviously saw something, in him, I, I want to just get to to this because it sounds like whenever you watched Kareem on the field, you were very impressed. Uh, since you've been doing this, and you know, in your years doing this, where does he rank in just pure football players that you've seen? I haven't been doing this that long, and I've and I've worked at some smaller schools before. I've gotten to Toledo. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so, you know, there's not. I don't have a ton of to go off of, but he, he's the best I've seen. I've been around, okay. in my opinion, for me. I mean, even even if you haven't been doing it for a long time, you've obviously still seen a, quite a few football players. That That's pretty high regard. Mm-hmm. Last question. I'm just curious of this. If there's any off the field, on the field, any stories that you remember about Kareem that really depicts either the football player that he is or the person, something that stands out in your mind um, that maybe people would be interested in hearing? 
I think, you know, when you're going to see him out in Kansas City or anywhere, you're, the, the, he's always got a smile. Um, you know, in my in, a, in the three years I worked with Kareem, you know, I don't think I ever, ever saw him ever get mad at, at somebody or, you know, be upset. He's just a really happy-go-lucky guy that you always want to be around. In my in my player personnel um, role, you know, we did a, a lot of community service, and you know, he was always about you know giving back and, and being able to to spend time with the kids. I, I can't really think of a, a story that I have right now. Okay, but there's just there was a lot of moments here at Toledo where you could always count count on Kareem for those kind of for that kind of stuff. Well, Andrew, honestly, this has been outstanding insight. So I just want to thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, some good insight out of Toledo on the Chiefs rookie. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about C.J. Spiller, and then I'll give you my final thoughts on the Chiefs running back situation. Don't go anywhere. Okay, I think we reached the part of the program where if you're a Chiefs fan, you're pretty excited about Spencer Ware. You're very excited about Kareem Hunt. Now I want to turn the tables a little bit and talk about C.J. Spiller. Spiller joined the Chiefs this offseason at the age of 29. His best seasons, of course, with the Buffalo Bills in 2012 and 2013 when he had back-to-back years of 900-plus rushing yards. There really hasn't been a ton to talk about after that. He eventually left the Bills and then joined the New Orleans Saints, had two short stints with the Jets and the Seahawks, and now finds himself in Kansas City looking for a resurgence. But he says he's healthy as he's ever been. And if that's the case, maybe he can regain that Buffalo form. So, Arrowhead Pride reached out to an SB Nation affiliate, Buffalo Rumblings, and we spoke with Jeff Hunter about the glory days. Now joining us on the Arrowhead Pride podcast is a brother from SB Nation. He's a editor for Buffalo Rumblings. It's a website on SB Nation that covers the Buffalo Bills. His name is Jeff Hunter. Jeff, welcome to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Jeff, we're talking about Chiefs running backs, and we've explored Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware, and now we're on to Sharkandrick West and C.J. Spiller. And uh, C.J. Spiller has had an interesting career, of course, starting in 2010 with the Buffalo Bills when they selected him ninth overall, and it's been up and down since then. He ended up leaving the Bills back in 2014, was with the Saints, brief stops with the Seahawks and Jets, and now finds himself with the Chiefs still searching for that resurgence of his career. And the word is, in training camp right now, he's as healthy as he's ever been. And that's something we've heard before. But if that's the case, what can we expect out of a truly healthy C.J. Spiller? Well, if he can get back to the form that he was at in 2012 when he was at his absolute peak, and, I mean, he's tailed off since then considerably, but even when he was healthy, he kind of dropped off in 2013, but at his peak, he was really kind of Jamal Charles-esque, where it's like right around the same time, they were both making head or making uh, highlights as guys who can hit uh, big home run kind of runners. Um, I actually went back and looked um, from 2012 to 2013. Um, C.J. Spiller and Jamal Charles are both in the top four when you're looking at running backs with 20-plus uh, or carries of 20-plus yards. C.J. Spiller actually had 21 carries of 20, 20 yards or more in those two seasons, and the only guy ahead of him was Adrian Peterson, who's 
on a whole other level entirely. But he is a guy that, when he was at his peak, he was able to uh, – the offensive line wasn't all that good, and but he was able to make guys miss and just hit those big home runs. And he'd have these games where he was carrying the ball about 14 times for 100 – his first game of 2012 against the Jets, 14 carries for 169 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean – that, that was really – he was never really carrying the ball too much, but whenever he had the ball, he could hit the end zone. What was Bill's fans' reaction to his career as a whole there? I'd imagine after the season with 1,000-plus rushing yards, you mentioned it in 2012, it was disappointing to see him just kind of teeter off after that. Well, I think part of that was the fact that they switched coaching staffs in 2013. They went from Chan Gailey, who was – really just kind of a get-the-ball-in-your-playmaker's-hands-and-get-into-the-end-zone kind of guy. Uh, they went to Doug Marone, and he brought Nate Hackett with him as the offensive coordinator. And they really seemed set on bringing that traditional, well, common these days kind of pocket passer through the air, run the ball to just to set up the pass. And he dropped off a little bit into 2013. He went from uh, 1,244 yards to 933 as touchdowns dropped from 6-2. to two. Uh, I think another part of that was uh, Fred Jackson, who is always – he's always been kind of on the bills. Uh, he was always kind of there when Marshawn Lynch was around. He still hung around when C.J. Spiller was drafted ninth overall and still got plenty of carries, uh, gobbled up plenty of yards. In fact, in 2013, they, they were almost – they were only four carries apart, and C.J. Spiller only outgained Jackson by 43 yards on the ground. So he he was always there, just kind of eating away at those carries, and deservedly so. And then 2014 hit, and we just had or once he injured his collarbone, that was kind of the end. Could it be possible? You know, we've seen him in training camp, and he looks pretty good catching the football. He's got some speed to his game, maybe back. Could it be possible that a string of bad luck in Buffalo with the new coaching staff? the collarbone, and then some knee injuries, things like that, has just been a string of bad luck, and at the age of 29, there's something there? I mean, it's possible, but i got to be honest, I would be incredibly surprised if he was able to pop up and do anything in Kansas City. Um, I mean, even uh, he had the knee injuries, but even like when he was relatively healthy lately at the end of 2014, came back for a couple games with the Bills, didn't do much of anything then with the Saints and uh, splitting between the Jets and Seahawks last year, just even when he's been healthy, he just doesn't seem to quite have what he had in 2012. I mean, anything is possible, but I would be shocked if he was an impact player this year. The interesting thing in Kansas City right now is with C.J. Spiller, he's such a name, you know, but he's not going after a one or two job. I mean, his job probably would be the three uh, role in the chief system and we spoke with a fantasy analyst mm-hmm. early on in the podcast and you know he was joking you know fantasy owners won't touch this guy with like a 10-foot pole because of just the history you know there was promise and then disappointment and and I could hear it in your voice you, it'd be your advice to Chiefs fans not to really get too excited about this guy no I mean I was actually fortunate enough to pick him up on fantasy waivers in 2012, so I had a nice season there. But, yeah, he's um, 
like I said, I just would be very, very surprised because, I mean, he has a name, but I think a lot of that comes from the draft status being a former top 10 pick. I mean, he just really, I'm looking at his carry or his yardage total over the last couple of years, and I've seen a lot of games with 10 yards, 10 yards, 7 yards, 21 yards. I think uh, his tops in New Orleans was 24, and he played in 15, or he played in four, uh, 13 games. So, I mean, it's just, like I said, he, he had quite a run in 2012, and parts of 2013 but I really just don't see him like you said a three if he wants if he can come in there pick up maybe 10 yards on three carries maybe catch a pass or two as uh, receiving is something that he never really did with the Bills but it looks like in New Orleans he was able to uh, make some waves as a receiver if he can come in and be that scat back type then he can probably make the roster as a three, but like I said, I would not get too excited about him. So what you're saying is, yes, the ceiling is very, very high, you know, the 2012, the 2013, but in your opinion, rather unlikely. Yeah, I mean, it's just been so long since he's been an impact player that it'd, be, it'd just be completely out of the blue. But yes, when uh, when he was at his best, he was very good. All right, Jeff. Well, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. You've provided some good insight to C.J. Spiller as we try to unravel this running backs puzzle in Kansas City. I want to thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. No problem. Best of luck to you guys this year. Early in this podcast, we talked to one of the best fantasy analysts in the country, and he told us to look past Charkandrick West and C.J. Spiller and focus in on Spencer Ware and rookie Kareem Hunt. Then we called Toledo and found out just how good Kareem Hunt may be. Finally, we finished up in Buffalo and explored C.J. Spiller. If he's as healthy as he says he is, maybe he can get back to that level of dominance we saw in 2012 and 2013. I think the most amazing thing about this running backs room is that the team lost Jamal Charles, yet it remained crowded. So crowded that it's putting pressure on Charkandrick West to get out of the medical room and back on the field. I think the biggest question here is maybe not which running backs will play for the Chiefs, but rather how many they'll keep. The answer to that question will determine whether or not someone's career in Kansas City will be over. This has been the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.